EFTM Tech Cars Lifestyle This is the EFTM Podcast with Trevor Long EFTM Oh yeah And you know what, I'm standing up I'm so excited about this I'm standing up Mainly because I've been sitting down all morning Oh, my back's starting to hurt Um, I probably over... um, engineered this whole idea and didn't really think about how much time it would take but hey that's life you know it's all good uh welcome back great to have your company thank you for downloading um uh if you didn't understand last week's tease um that's okay that that means you're 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 newer to this than some other people for context um i think i think we need to you know go back a few steps um this is the 487th podcast um, that I've produced in this feed. Uh, this this uh, exact subscription on, on iTunes um, some many years ago would have got you your tech life. That was my original podcast. That was uh, that was just kind of a really young, idiotic me um, gibbering away back in uh, 2008 or nine, I think it was. I'd have to check the records to know exactly when. Um, and, you know, it continued for, I think it was, uh, we did 389 episodes of, uh, of Your Tech Life uh, until um, 2018. And it was, yeah, three years ago. Um, three years ago that I called time on Your Tech Life. And the reason I did that was very clear. To You Air just become Talking Lifestyle. I'd been doing weekends on 2UE and they'd offered me a nightly show talking technology on 2UE. So every single night of the week at 8 o'clock, I would uh, be on the radio taking calls uh, about technology and doing interviews about technology. And it was five shows a week. It was five hours a week and we were podcasting that. And frankly, it was A, overkill, and B, extra effort to then come and produce the exact same show, uh, Your Tech Life, on a podcast only. So uh, I pulled the pin on on your tech life. And we very quickly then pivoted and created the EFTM podcast. In Apple Podcasts, it shows up as a second season of the EFTM podcast. Um, that was a bunch of fun, and, and no doubt uh, everyone enjoyed it, and it was a very loose situation. Pulling back on the looseness, um, pulling back on the explicitness, because I've, I've removed the, the warning at the start, and I've put a clean tag on season three, I'm calling this. Um, and I'm standing here on my own because there is so many people who still email me about tech questions. I thought, what am I doing? I, I, I just need to do what I used to do. But the great thing here is, because this is the EFTM podcast, because EFTM is so much more than just technology, I've got the ability to do way more than just technology. So this thing that you heard last week, let me refresh your memory and explain. Might sound crazy what I'm about to say But Trevor Long's the world's best techie He's the kind of guy we picked on at school And it wasn't fair, but he don't care, he's cool
just a fun jingle we had back at your tech life days, and I love it. It's a bit of fun, takes a go at me, um, and so I will be playing that. Oh, yes, I will be playing that. Um, but this show is way more than just technology, although you'll find it uh, it's going to take some time to bridge away from the tech gap. But this episode, uh, I have a bunch of things. I've got a bunch of calls lined up ready to chat about their technology questions. Um, I'm going to talk to Greg Rust about, well, COVID-19, uh, life in lockdown, and where supercars have gone with E-Series Plus. We're going to talk Daniel Ricciardo and... James Courtney and those things. Um, Rusty's an old mate and he is stuck in New Zealand in lockdown. I'm going to talk to the boss of Alcatel TCL Mobile here in Australia, Sam Skontos, because I've been playing with the Alcatel 3L. And I've got to say, it's a mind-blowing device in terms of bang for your buck. But one thing I have to talk about before we go to calls, pyrolytic ovens. So you didn't think that had come out, did you? Pyrolytic ovens. Now... Our, we renovated our kitchen six years ago and put in, we just basically bought Ikea. It was just ridiculous. The amount of cupboards and things we had delivered from Ikea was crazy. Plus the dishwasher and the oven were from Ikea. So we went all in on, on, on Ikea, trust me. Uh, the oven died and we did some basic testing and whatnot. It was clearly dead for the world. So Trev's on the rampage looking for a new one. Uh, our budget was the bottom of the barrel, like whatever's cheapest, thank you, we just need an oven. But I, di- I, I didn't realise that ovens could be so different. Um, and it was weirdly timely that I actually did a Today Show segment about kitchen appliances and um, Smeg and Asco and a few other companies were there. And so I started talking to the guy from Asco about ovens and he was, mate, the, 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 not just the upsell, but the, the passion that he had for these different ovens, steam ovens, pyrolytic ovens and standard convection ovens, um, conventional ovens, was was amazing. To the point where he convinced me that I should spend a little bit more money and get an ASCO. Um, and to be clear, did me a deal on going one higher than I wanted to. So I was willing to buy their, their cool, decent ASCO. And he said, I really want you to get the pyrolytic. I'll do you a deal because I think you'd be blown away. Now, it's been some months. And that you know the trays that uh, a good oven will come with trays. So you know you put your chips on whatever, your vegetables, whatever you're cooking. Um, those trays, they're baking trays, but we weren't using them. We were just putting our trays on top of those trays. And I said, well, they're meant to be the trays to my wife. But geez, they got dirty, filthy, disgusting, to the point where you can't scrub them clean. And I went, hang on a minute, pyrolytic cleaning. So I pulled out the manual, and I read about it. And pyrolytic cleaning is basically. Uh, highest possible temperatures, blasts away anything inside the oven, and then you just wipe it clean. And you can pyrolytically clean the enamel trays that come with it. So you do only one thing. You need to pull out the guide rails because it's got these removable, like, slide-out rails. You've got to pull those out so that they don't get damaged by this high um, temperature clean. Put it in. It's like a three- or four-hour process. My God. My wife's complaining about how long it takes. But then I pulled out the tray, and it was, like, brand new. I have gone to the trouble of taking photos of that and putting it on EFTM.com. If you don't know what pyrolytic ovens do, go to the website and have a look. If you've avoided getting a pyrolytic oven, I'm telling you, it's awesome and well worthwhile. This has also got an aqua clean, so we're going to aqua clean it on the weekend. That should hope with some of the grime and grease as well on a, on a regular basis. Anyway, see, there you go. I didn't think on the EFTM podcast you'd be hearing about pyrolytic ovens, did you? But you did. Uh, if you've got a question about 
technology, about cars, about lifestyle, about anything, you can go to the website, eftm.com, click on Ask Trev. Um, always love your feedback. Join the Man Cave while you're on Facebook. So facebook.com forward slash EFTM online and click on the groups and, and join our Man Cave group. bit of chat goes on there. I try very hard to go in there as regularly as I can and you know talk to people and answer comments and things, but there's a bunch of great uh, people. Rob, 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 Matt. Weird, there's three Robs. Um, but I appreciate the uh, the hard work that uh, Matty, uh, Howie, uh, Rob Rigby and Rob Jolly do uh, in kind of moderating the man cave uh, while I can't be in there all the time. So join in, have some fun. We like to make a community of it all. Um, and welcome back to uh, Your Tech Life via the EFTM podcast. This is the EFTM podcast. EFTM. And you can get in touch anytime you like. Just go to the website, EFTM.com and click Ask Trev. G'day, Mel. Hi, Trevor, how are you? Yeah, really well. What can I do for you? Yeah, so I was listening to Triple M in Newcastle yesterday with Tanya and Steve. God, love them. And you mentioned, <laughs> I know, it's great. So you mentioned about the 3D animals on Google. Yes. So obviously, like everybody is now doing it. So <laughs> a couple of my work colleagues and I did it yesterday. Now, I have an iPhone 11 Pro Max. When I've downloaded and, you know, and got the animals up, I can't get any sound. But one of my work colleagues who has a Samsung can get um, sound. So I tried to fix it last night and couldn't do it. So I'm hoping you'll be able to help. Oh, so okay. So you're saying yeah. you're saying someone else got sound from the animals. Yes. I'm, see, I've so never you, gotten sound. Uh, but I'm so using... Well, hang on. I'm using. An, I've used an oh, iPhone and I've used a, an iPad. What What have you been using? An iPhone and my work colleague's got a Samsung, and she oh. got animal sound. So she got the lion. She got the alligator. She got everything. Oh. It was amazing. Oh, look, I've got a cat, and it's meowing. Yes, it's purring, and this is on a Samsung. Well, yes. who knew? So I'm going to say straight out of the bat, I don't think. You can get sounds on Apple. I think that's that's because no. you know if it was like I'm using the iPhone SE, which is recent. I use the brand new iPad yes. Pro. I'm not using old odd devices, and the, on the Samsung it's fine. I reckon so. The Google, you know, Google who built this also built yes. the Android operating system that's running on Samsungs and the like. So maybe their augmented reality you know, integration is is better, and therefore you can get audio. Oh, now I need to do it all over again but with a different phone. My kids are going to go mad. So does the alligator make noises and everything? Oh, every every animal did. Every oh, wow. animal did. It was amazing. Like we brought up the tiger first, yep. and then we did um, the giant bear. Yeah. That's you know, a big bear, had, isn't it? That is a big, yeah, bear. big bear. It is a big bear. We had fun. It was following us around work yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, I, you know, it's not really a compelling reason to get a new phone or change phones, but it's a very big difference between Android and iOS. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll do a bit of investigation, look into it, but I'm pretty sure, given that, you know, we've we've got four iPhone, i Apple devices between us that we've tested. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't. I think it must be that there's no sound. As simple as that. No. And, but on Android, you, you're good to go. So you have to find the scariest one on Android and just use your mate's phone, I guess. Yeah, I know, but it's just, I was even playing with it at home last night, so I had the tiger in my room. 
<laughs> and the, I could hear him growling, but mm, well, I could see him growling. I yeah, think, oh, not, yeah, because they do make a lot yeah. of. Oh, see, now I want to want to know what sound an emperor penguin makes. Yeah, well, she had that up first, and it was uh, actually sounded exactly like the penguin. It really did. Oh, because I'm going. How did you do that? She went. Oh, I just put the sound up. Oh, she's like, yeah, hello, <laughs> duh. <laughs> Didn't you know? She looked at me to say, yeah. So yeah, I just thought you might have had the fix for it. No, because I Melbourne. tried to research it last night. My gut feeling is there is no fix. My gut feeling is it's just not available on iPhones, and we've just uh, thank you for alerting me to that fact. But I'm now going to have to have a play with it no, uh, on okay. the Android, and maybe I will ask Google. I'll reach out and just check whether there's a you know a, a time frame for getting Apple integration with the sound. But um, until then, I need to find something scary to freak my kids out with. <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing the yeah, bear. Is what's more scary, the bear or the lion? Um. None really, because they were so cute. Yeah. I'm a bit worried now about getting up the circulatory system where the heart's beating and stuff. I wonder if you can hear the heartbeat and everything. Oh, See? we didn't do that one yesterday. Well, there you go. There's something to try. Wow. So do, do, do some science stuff, some biology or whatever the topic is where you learn about skeletons yeah. and stuff. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. school that well. Sorry, Not Mel, the, they can't help you with your That's iPhone, okay. but uh, hey, you can enjoy it a little bit more with your mate's phone, and uh, I'm glad we're bringing some entertainment to your work. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, as you said, if you do find a fix, yeah. let me know. You'll be the first to know, Mel. <laughs> All right, good on you, okay. and thanks, thanks for getting in touch. That's okay. Enjoy good your on. day. No worries. Cheers. Thank you. There's, Bye. there's Mel, who uh, listens on uh, the radio up in Newcastle. Um, 102.9, I'm going to say. Oof, I could be wrong. Triple M, Newcastle, Tanya and Steve, number one at breakfast, and I appear there every Tuesday morning, just after 7 o'clock. And, yeah, for those that are trying to catch up here, we were talking about the um, Google 3D view. So this is where um, pretty much on any modern smartphone, I would say the last two to three years of smartphones and tablets, if you Google Penguin, it'll actually come up with the option to see in 3D. It works for dogs, works for cats. There's also Neil Armstrong. You can see his spacesuit. Really bloody cool. Like, you could tell how interested Mel was in it, and Mel's not exactly a teenager. Um, I'm sure she's 21. But uh, I, I just think it's a fun thing to show uh, your friends. And now that we're allowed to have, you know, uh, uh, someone around for dinner, maybe it's something fun to show at a dinner party as well. Uh, if you've got a question or uh, you want to have a chat about anything tech, cars, or lifestyle, just go to the website, EFTM.com. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Any questions you've got, any problems you've got with technology or cars or anything lifestyle, uh, get in touch, go to the website, EFTM.com, as Greg did. G'day, Greg. Hey, uh, Trevor. Mate, what can I do um, for you, buddy? Just looking at the blip. Uh, just looking at the Blurp on TV, 65-inch. Uh, I just wondering if you can give me some information on them, please. Where, where'd you um, see it, mate? quality. On TVSN. Ah, okay. Now, they were so 65-inch. Do you remember, was it the Android TV? Did they mention Android? Yeah, Android. Yep. Um, the last part of the number is 9200. Yeah, right. Yep, I got the one. I know the one. So, I mean, look, what are they charging for that puppy? Uh, I think it's nine ninety nine plus delivery. So before we look at that specific one, what I want to think about is like just generally, what are, I mean, how does that compare to a sixty five inch at you know 
JBs, for example. So if you wanted a 65-inch TV JBs, you could spend 800 and you get one of their, you know, F Falcon brands, which is, you know, a no-name TV, right? Um, so obviously oh, there okay. are there yeah. are cheaper TVs out there than the Blaupunkt. Um, yeah. Mate, there's a TCL at, uh, at JBL for $900 which is very nice as well. Right. But the difference with that one, yep. and so it goes basically those two, and then it goes to $1,300, $1,400 at JB Hi-Fi if you want a 65-inch TV. But the difference, and I okay. think the benefit to that Blaupunkt is Android TV. So what that means is um, yep. any app you want to get, you can put on there. So you don't have to wait for Samsung or Hisense or LG to update their TV with apps. If KO come, if KO's available, boom, you install it, and it and it is. For example, KO's the best example. The sports streaming app, you can put that on Android TV oh, on yeah, your own yeah. without having to worry about anything else. So you got Netflix, you got Stan, you got KO. Next week, I'm sure the one they they're launching, Binge, is going to be available. It's a very easy to use operating system. Bottom line, if you're worried about the quality of it, what I'd ask you is, what are you watching most? Um, just the two. General sort of shows. Sort like free-to-air TV? Or like where, where's it come from, the, oh, the stuff that you watch? Free-to-air uh, free and also um, Foxtel. Yep. So have you got the HD Foxtel box, the the, the Black IQ box, or are you paying for yeah, HD? Yeah, IQ4. So, mate, no. I, I would argue that whatever you watch through Foxtel is going to look great on this TV. The only thing about this TV right. that you would find negative uh, would be what we call the refresh rate. Now, that it's a 60 hertz refresh right. rate. Now, really what that means is it's how quickly the, the picture updates before your eyes. And most people don't yeah, see yeah. the difference. You don't see the difference between a 60 and a 200. But if you're someone with very, very observant eyes, shall we say, and you watch a lot of sport, yeah. then you might notice... A kind of not a blurring, but a but a staggering of sports content. I won't lie to you, mate. I've never ever noticed, <laughs> and I watch Formula One, right? <laughs> I, I watch Formula One on the yeah, cheapest right. TV possible, and it doesn't bother me. But if you're someone who is bothered by yeah. little things like that, this this TV, you know, nah. isn't up to scratch in that sense. But otherwise, mate, Android TV, it's got HDR high dynamic range. It is 4K. Um, yeah. It's got pretty good contrast ratio, so it's not going to be too too bad in terms of brightness. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be a great TV for you if you can um, if you can you know, fit it in the house. Oh, I I don't have a problem recommending yeah. it to you. <laughs> Blaupunkt is is made, you know, it's it's kind of like one of those shop brands. It's made by the same people that are making yeah. the I think it was the Echo or the Eco that I reviewed from Big W recently, mate. They're good TVs. Yeah, at the price you're oh, paying, it's yeah, a good TV, okay. buddy. Yeah. All right. So well, that's, enjoy. That's basically what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Well, don't uh, yeah. if that was if that's the rubber stamp for the for the family, then consider it rubber stamp, mate, and enjoy the TV. <laughs> oh, thanks very much. Good on you, mate. Thanks for getting yeah. in touch, Greg. Thank you. Cheers. And if uh, you got a question uh, about anything technology, get in touch. Go to the website eftm.com. EFTM. This is the EFTM podcast. EFTM podcast. Thank you for listening. Trevor along with you. And if there's one thing that I talk about more than anything in the world every year, it's mobile phones. Um, uh, I think when people come to visit me, they're always a little bit shocked by the number of mobile phones that sit around the EFTM office because we're always testing. There's always a new phone. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to justify. 
it's kind of sometimes hard to justify the expense of some of the new phones, which is why it's always great to look at uh, at the Alcatel range and to talk about one of the latest products from Alcatel and just generally how things are going for Alcatel and TCL Mobile in Australia. I'm joined by Sam Skontos, the Vice President and Managing Director of Alcatel TCL in Australia. G'day, Sam. G'day, Trevor. How are you? Very well, mate. Very well. Let's let's get straight to the product, the 3L. You announced three products uh, this week, all of them, three smartphones, all under $200. And look, they're all, they've all got a place in the market, but this 3L... At $199, you said in the announcement it was bang for your buck. You weren't wrong. How confident were you given, you know, you've released a lot of phones over the years. This, though, seems to stand out. Yeah, we were very confident. As soon as we saw it, we saw the design, we saw the specs, we saw the opportunity in the market for, you know, under $200 to have a top, end device with some great features uh, we were pretty confident we were going to get it uh, in market and uh, pretty quickly and, and be successful and very fortunate that um, you know Vodafone's picked it up and I think they're going to do very very well with it. How important is the telco deal like that? I mean I can remember over the years different moments where um, you know the telcos have come and gone with different brands you've always had a pretty strong relationship with Vodafone and, and many other carriers have talked to you as well but apart from I guess comparing it to going it alone, you know, you've got an Amazon store, you have some pretty good uh, direct channels through JB Hi-Fi and the like with different devices. How much different is a telco deal for a device? Oh, look, the telco for, uh, deal for us is very important. That's our uh, heritage. That's our DNA. We started, in fact, we uh, relaunched back in the market back in 2009 uh, with Vodafone. Vodafone was our first customer when we relaunched because uh, not a lot of people know the history of Alcatel, but Alcatel was in the market for many, many years and then decided to pull out of Australia. And then uh, I was tasked to uh, bring it back in the market in 2009. And coming back in the market, it was very difficult to convince the carriers that uh, they should take us on, that they should partner with us, because really they, they were either burnt before or they were questioning how long we're going to be around for and, and things like that. And um, Vodafone was our first major breakthrough. Uh, so they've got a you know a soft spot for us. We've got a soft spot for them. I used to work for Vodafone, so that doesn't uh, impact that in any way. But uh, yeah, look, it's um, the, the the carriers are very important to us. Uh, we generally do probably 85 to 90 percent of our business through carriers. Right. Uh, why do we do that? Well, it's credibility. Yeah. It's the fact that when a carrier takes you on, they put you through so much testing, so much. Um, auditing, compliance, yep. regulatory, you know after you've passed the carrier testing and it's been ranged that that product is going to work in the market and you, it's, going to, it's going to work really well on the network. And that to me is the most important thing, that the phones that we put in the market have been tested, have been finely tuned to work perfectly on that network. And that adds to the customer experience. Yeah, it's probably, and I digress heavily here, but Huawei comes to mind when you talk about uh, credibility in telcos because when Huawei, unfortunately, you know, in my terms, unfortunately, were hit with the, the trade deals and bans that are going on, their credibility was lost with the telcos and the telcos aren't ranging their new products. That's what average Australians look at what the telcos are selling and, and I guess give respect to those brands, don't they? 
Absolutely, and, and that's why it's important for us to, to work with the carriers because you get credibility when a customer buys a product that's been endorsed or sold by the carrier. You know that it's going to work, it's been tested, it's going to work perfectly on their network and, and it's the credibility that you get with that and um, I think that then reverberates throughout uh, other um, channels and other customers. When Sam Scontos brings, um, even if it's a well pre-production model of a phone like the 3L to Australia to muck around within the office, you've got a, a good team of, of people working with you and for you on on every range of the business. What, what do you do to give yourself some confidence in a product? Because I'll tell you what I do. Well, the first thing I did was go, what's, what's a more expensive product that has similar style specs um, and what's a what's a you know high end product that that people are using? And I try and compare them, not just not on speed, not on Geekbench, but you know taking a photo, taking a photo of my daughter, taking a photo of the the harbour. How do you go? How do you give yourself the confidence that not just the specs are good, but it's actually performing? Yeah, well, that's a great great question. The thing is about me, um, and most people that know me will will probably laugh at this, but I don't generally use one phone only for that long. So um, I'm, I'm always using a lot of different phones, not necessarily just ours. I like to test every phone in the market if I could. It's possible. But I do test the, the high end, the mid and some of the uh, the entry stuff. Uh, so I'm constantly changing my phones, making sure that I'm up to scratch on what's happening in the market, looking at competitors' phones, using competitors' phones. You know, I, I don't want to just look at a product and look at the specs and, and make up my mind whether I think it's going to work or not or whether it's good enough or not. I want to actually work with it, play with it, use it as part of my everyday um, phone, take you know the photos, whatever photos I do take, check the emails, have a look at the messaging, have a look at social media, uh, how, how, what's the speed, what's it like in terms of operation, is it smooth, um, the audio, how good is it. I have a, a, a process, if you like, that I go through and that is um, I look at all the human interfaces right. to a phone. So the screen's got to be great, so my, my, it's good on my eyes. The audio's got to be excellent so I can hear it well and I can listen to my music and, and get a good, um, a good experience out of it. The touch is super important, so you make sure that the, you know, it's smooth, it's scrolling well, the refresh rate is excellent, you know, those sort of things. So all the human interfaces is what I look at. So by the time we have a phone that's about to come into the market, I'm pretty much aware of what the top-end phones and what the mid-tier phones are like. And then I've got a fairly good idea as to whether our phone is going to work and at what price will it work. Yeah, and I think the other part of this, looking at a device like the 3L, is looking back three years, Sam, at a $199 phone and seeing just how quickly this lower end of the market is developing in the same way that it is at the top end, right? You get amazing innovations at the top end, but they very quickly cascade, and the quality of a $199 product today is leaps and bounds ahead of what it was three years ago. Oh, very much so, and and I think that's look, it's it's technology evolving, and um, and that's going to happen more and more and more as as um, we're finding new ways to put more power in a smaller device and try to save some costs. And you know, back in the old days, we had a chipset, and then we had a different chipset for this and a different processor for that. Mm. In today's world, uh, we've got what's called the SOC, so it's not just a chipset, but it's a complete solution in a chip. So it it caters for more than just one processor on a chip. So the whole technology evolution is about making things smaller, saving money, 
and uh, and more powerful. So let's talk about the business overall. The last twelve months has been been pretty big. Um, we've gone through some troubles in the last few months, but you also launched the TCL brand in the in the middle of last year. How's business been in the last twelve months? It, it's been good. Um, I'm not going to tell you that it's been brilliant and fantastic, uh, but it's been good. It's uh, it's we're still growing, uh, we're still achieving our targets, we're still hitting our number three spot according to IDC by volume. Um, Just and to be clear, that's number volume, three we... smartphones in Australia, which means Apple and Samsung are selling X number of phones, then Alcatel, and then everyone else in terms of the number of phones Correct. being sold. Correct. Now. I'll clarify that and say that includes the Alcatel brand, it includes the TCL brand, mm-hmm. and it includes the the products that we do under the Optus brand and under the Telstra brand. Sure. Because we also manufacture for those particular carriers. So if you look at all the volume that we ship into the market uh, across multiple brands, yeah. we're number three by volume. So let, let's talk about brands for a second because the TCL thing was was fascinating. You know, TCL is w- one of the biggest manufacturers of, of screens in, in the world. Uh, you've got a you've got a, a television brand as well, but TCL Mobile didn't exist as a brand to the consumer until the middle of last year. You brought that not only has that launched globally, but you've brought that here to Australia. Is that a strategy to say to make it very clear in the market that Alcatel is your low cost brand and TCL is your way of saying these are a different phone. They're uh, they're going to be a higher quality perhaps they're going to have higher specs and that's why it's a higher price. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. Um, Alcatel is always going to be our best valued phone. Okay. It's going to get incredible value, as you can see with the three L at one ninety nine. It's got amazing features. The TCL brand is positioned more to be the performance phone. Yep. What do we mean by performance? It's got a brilliant display. It uses our next vision um, unique display. We own a display manufacturer that makes the panels for the TVs, and we're now using that same company to manufacture the displays for our TCL smartphones. So the TCL has high-end displays, high-end camera arrays, uh, quad cameras, 48, 64 megapixels, etc. It's got um, some new technologies such as in display fingerprint scanning mm-hmm. and things like that. So it's the more performance uh, range and it is positioned a bit more higher than the Alcatel range. So the Alcatel range will go up to about uh, potentially 299 The TCL range will go from about $400 to about $800. Yeah. So it is that mid-tier in the market, but it is performance and it's still great value in terms of what you get. Now, the, the thing about the TCL uh, range is that we are going to grow that more and more and more each year. Yep. So this year, we're going to launch somewhere between four and five different models. And very soon, we'll be able to discuss the uh, the first two models of the TCL that's going to come into the market. Um, and you're going to see some really nice, uh, great-looking designs, really good specs up there, up there with, with the best of them, mm. um, but still very reasonable in price. That is more geared towards the open market, the retail market, rather than the carrier. Because that's a huge market. I would argue, and I'd love to have JB's sales numbers, but we'll never see them. But if if, if I could get access to JB's sales number and, and maybe gamble on it, I would argue that the $400 to $800 or $900 price point 
is on volume where they're doing big numbers, if not their best potential growth area? Yeah, look, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I think once you get over the $800, then um, most customers, and I'm not saying all customers, but most customers are probably going to buy it on a carrier oh, contract, contract. Yeah. because you... Yeah, you, you'd be crazy to fork out two or two and a half thousand dollars to get a phone when you can pick it up for sixty, seventy, eighty dollars a month over a couple of years. And and look, you know, back in my days of the carrier world, um, the research that we did said back in those days that the consumer had absolutely no qualms, absolutely no issue with signing a two-year contract with yeah. the telco. Yeah. And I don't think anything would have changed today. It's a great way still to get a top-end, high-end device worth, you know, one and a half, two thousand dollars $2,000 without forking out one and a half, two thousand dollars $2,000. So I think most of the con- the, the high-end devices are going to be under contract with a carrier. Then it leaves you the 400 to $800. And they're the guys that, I guess, don't want to be in a contract. They want to have the freedom, the flexibility to maybe move around from uh, contract to contract or carrier to carrier. But they want to have the latest and greatest. And you know what? We Aussies love our gadgets and we love to have the latest and greatest technology that is a fact and uh you know and and i'm one of them yeah and i think i think that's the other thing back on the 3l just quickly on that having a macro camera that's a point of difference over almost anything like i i try to take a photo of a small flower with raindrops on it uh on an iphone se 750 dollars iphone couldn't do it uh close up but on the alcatel 3l it's beautiful. And I can imagine my son, a 13-year-old, and there's going to be a lot of 13-year-olds rocking an Alcatel 3L because it's 200 bucks that are going to actually love the photography that they can get out of those phones. It, it is really just a matter of continually reinforcing to people that there are features in low-cost phones. All the, all the marketing in the world from Samsung and Apple doesn't mean that you can't get those features elsewhere. Yeah, no, you're right. You're 100% right. Look, and, and these are, this is one of the things that makes our job that much difficult in the fact that unfortunately um, brand is a very very important yeah. part of the purchasing criteria and whether it's brand and you know I, I wrote a paper on this and I'm hoping to get it published sooner or later but, but brand and I'm trying to understand brand what does it mean to people what is brand does a brand really exist is it yeah. is it a perception is it in the mind of the consumer is it quality is it features is it price is it uh, a belonging, a social belonging, because, you know, like there's aspirational brands that says, well, if I walk around holding a particular brand, it means I'm successful. It means I'm in the elite class. So, you know, there's, there's an association with a brand. So it's an interesting topic. We could probably go on forever and ever and ever. But we probably brand could is such it, it relates important. to cars. You know, it's, it's everywhere, isn't it, in our lives? Our, our brand loyalty as Australians, I think, is stronger than anywhere in the world. And also our brand snobbery. <laughs> you know, that whole... I'm successful, I'm driving or whatever, um, which is probably why there are Absolutely. people that, that won't want a TCL phone, even though it's got as much as everyone else. But hopefully the twist there is that there's also that early adopter, uh, tech-loving uh, value fan that says, <laughs> you're mad, I got this, and it's got all those things, and I paid half what you did. So I guess that's that's the challenge going forward. But uh, uh, just one last thing, I think, that, and this is a critical thing, and you've already touched on it. Um, you talked about the value of the telco market in terms of validating a brand um, and val- validating, uh, I guess, a company's commitment to this market. What's, what's your advice to average people who are clicking on the internet, searching for phones? Unfortunately for me, they read reviews from everywhere in the world that aren't directly focused on this market. 
and they start then Googling to, to buy phones. What's your advice to people in those situations to ensure the phone they're getting isn't, firstly, a grey import, and secondly, it's, it's actually going to work here and it meets our regulations? Yeah, well, you, you, you know how to touch my heart because, you know, that's that's an, an issue for me that I've been um, <coughs> grappling with for a long time um, in the market and I've been quite vocal about it and, and I just would love the consumer to have a bit more knowledge around the phone that they're getting must must be compliant to the Australian electrical safety standards and must comply to the Australian SAR standards. Now, SAR is what's called a specific ratio, a specific absorption ratio. And it's the amount of electromagnetic energy that the body can uh, legally absorb. These SAR values should be prominent either on the packaging or on a website or somewhere. And to make sure that the consumer understands that they're getting a device that's not going to be harmful to them, and getting a device that's not going to uh, cause an electrical fault or electrical problem for them. Uh, and the best way to do that is to buy from either an Australian carrier or from an Australian retailer. And if they are going to buy online, to make sure that they should demand to see what the SAR values and they should demand to see um, if there's a compliance certificate or some sort of documentation that proves that that phone is actually to Australian standards and complies with Australian standards. Feels like something we need to be taking up. We're a conversation with uh, regulators to talk about what uh, what kind of packaging requirements might be, might be useful, let alone advertising requirements, to ensure that people know what they're getting from their phones because there's so many bloody phones on the market. But as you say, I guess if the big box retailers are selling it, they've ticked those boxes. They've gone through that due diligence, as have the telcos. So in the end, stick with the big brands Correct. in terms of where you're buying from and, and, you, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have a phone that's both safe uh, and works because that's the worst thing. You take it to the bush and it doesn't work because it doesn't work on the frequencies. And, and you know, the, it's a big issue for the telcos because if you put a non-compliant or non-finely tuned mobile phone on their network and it doesn't work properly, the, most of the time the consumer's going to ring up the call centre and blame the, the, the telco. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a big issue for the telco. So they all of a sudden they start getting calls about, um, oh, your network doesn't work properly. But in actual fact, it's the phone because the phone's not being finely tuned. The phone actually doesn't work well on the network because mm. it might be missing a vital band, frequency band or or something along those lines. and uh, Or it hasn't been uh, or doesn't support Volte or some other technical aspect of the network. So all of a sudden, the consumer is going to start blaming the, the network. In actual fact, it's the phone the, 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 that's been imported that is not suitable for the Australian market. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your advocacy of the uh, Australian mobile market and congratulations on the 3L. It's a bloody cracker. <laughs> thanks. Thanks a lot, Trevor. Yeah, we're very proud of it and uh, we got some big hopes for it. Thank you. Trevor, along with you, taking your calls on the EFTM podcast. Any questions you've got, just jump on the website, EFTM.com, and click Ask Trevor, and I'll, um, I'm happy to have a chat. G'day, Ratish. Hey, hey, Trevor. Hey, mate. How are you doing? What can I do for you? Uh, very good, Trevor. i just got a question. Hmm. I'm just looking at the, the new show on Apple TV Plus called Defending Jacob. Yeah. It's starring Chris Evans, and I was just wondering if you had a look at it. Mate, ha- have you watched it yet before I say anything? Have you watched any of it? 
Yes, I did. I'm up to the sixth episode <gasps> already, and oh, it's goodness. really amazing. Mate, do not spoil it for me. So what happened was Stephen Fennick suggested this show to me, and my, my wife and I, we don't actually share a lot of viewing habits. And so I said to her, but we've watched a lot of those kind of SVU uh, law and order shows, so I thought this might be up our alley. We've watched, uh, oh, might only be three episodes, but we also watched it with my son, who's 13. Um, because it's not too bad in terms of rating. Oh, mate, how high quality is it? I mean, it's unbelievable the, the amount of money Apple's putting into these things. It's like a bloody high-end TV show, isn't it? Yeah, it was actually really good. And uh, the kid with the acting, it was so natural, actually. That, that's a tough role to play, that that child. I mean, without going to too much of a spoiler here, Jacob is the child, and you know, there's some he's he's required yeah. to be defended over a, over a particularly bad crime. I, I mate, it's, I've not seen Chris Evans before, or should I be familiar with him? Like, what's what's he from? Chris Evans, uh, he's uh, Captain America from uh, oh. Big Marvel's TV show. Don't hate me, I'm not a that's Big Marvel man. Enough. That's all. So, yeah, not my thing. <laughs> Now, is, how many episodes is Defending Jacob, do you know? Uh, Defending Jacob's uh, eight episodes they're going to make. Right. So, so and is it one a week that come out? So, one a week that's coming out. All right, okay. All right, and, and you reckon, so I'm up to, I reckon, two or maybe three. Um, it it kind of continues to flow through. It's just as gripping and as, and as engaging. Yeah, it's very engaging, I would say. There's a lot of twists at the end of the scenes, and it's actually very nice to watch. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's pretty good. All right, and just just finally, mate, what else are you watching on Apple TV? Is that the first time you've watched Apple TV, or is there a bunch of stuff you're you're enjoying on there? Uh, not really. I, I did uh, like uh, which one, a um, couple of episodes of uh, uh, Loved uh, for, for All Mankind. That was like my favorite show of, of uh, forever. Oh. Did you watch it all? Because I've only watched like three episodes, and I think I struggled to kind of be drawn back to it. But I'm desperate to finish it. But have you watched it all? I've watched it all. It's okay. so much better as it gets to the ah, end. It's right. really incredible. Oh, I was amazing. Like it, it gets to like the fourth, third, or fourth episode. Yep. Then you then you start going on, but then from fifth episode onwards, it's just amazing. It's just like super fast and everything. Ah, right, okay. You know what my problem is? I'm not travelling anymore, so I don't have long flights to watch all these things on. I've, I've actually got to sit with my family, and they've got to enjoy what I'm watching as well. So, anyway. <laughs> Good recommendation, Ratish. Defending Jacob is on Apple TV. Uh, it's only seven ninety nine a month unless you've got a new Apple device. It's free, in it? So, uh, enjoy, mate. Thanks for the call. Thanks for getting in touch. No worries. Thanks, sir. Good on you, mate. And uh, if you've got a streaming recommendation, a show you've been watching, uh, I'd love to hear it from you. Just go to the website, EFTM.com. G'day, everyone. I'm Daniel Ricardo, and you're listening to EFTM, everything for the man. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for downloading. And, you know, we've been talking tech here, but uh, this is a very important. This is the EFTM podcast, not just about tech. And I've reached out to one of my good mates who is, like all of us, sitting at home on his own, just waiting for a call, waiting for the internet to, to call him up. Uh, Greg Rust, g'day, mate. I, I wish my open line was as busy as yours, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> mate, it's lovely to speak to you. We're on Zoom, so it's lovely to see you as well. How are you, how are you coping, firstly, with COVID-19? Obviously, it's been, you're in New Zealand, people, people might not know. Yep. It's been a massive lockdown over there. How are things? 
Um, basically, my experience has probably been a little longer than most of your listeners because uh, when one of the McLaren team members was uh, first diagnosed with it at the Australian Grand Prix, and then we saw the unfortunately the, the Grand Prix had to be cancelled on the Friday there in Melbourne. Um, I was there, ready to. I'd already done one day's worth of uh, broadcasting work and a whole other lot of stuff in the lead up, and uh, obviously then I, I came home early. Um, Shortly thereafter, um, the, the government here, Jacinda Ardern and, and, and so on, uh, put in place the, the lockdown measures. Um, but I, I got in before the curfew, Trev, so technically I didn't have to self-isolate right. straight away. Yep. But, mate, I actually did the right thing. I, I feel I did anyway. Yeah. I, I, uh, I self-isolated because I'd been at the Grand Prix just to be on the safe side. So I kind of spent two weeks in a separate room. I didn't hug the kids, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, Sarah, my wife, was probably quite pleased that you know I was in the spare room, um, and so that sort of that, that sort of kick started things for me. And then at the tail end of that, we actually then went into proper lockdown yeah. here. So it was pretty strict measures. I, I have to say, everyone over here, by and large, has been very good, yep. and we're reaping the benefits uh, of that. Now we've they have, the New Zealand government and the people here have done things differently to Australia, but I think we've arrived in a in a similar sort of position. Yep. Yesterday there were uh, no no more new cases. So um, a little bit lucky, mate, in, yeah. in the uh, change of lifestyle um, that, that I had at the end of 2017, where we are now is east coast of the North Island. Mm. Uh, it's sort of wine and fruit country here. It's a little bit like Hunter Valley by the sea, mate, if yeah. that's probably the best way I could describe it. Um, so I'm, I'm removed from big cities. I'm removed from a lot of that stuff. And, and that, uh, I'm not a farmer, Trev, but, but the fact that it's a little more isolated has has probably been a, a, a very good thing. And we've had some great time with family and stuff. Yeah. And wife's gone back to school. Kids have started going back to school. And I'm home alone. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to get your thoughts on just motorsport in general in a minute. But just just on, on your life and career at the moment, Rusty's Garage um, has been a phenomenal success for Podcast One. And I don't even think you thought it was going to be as big as it is. Am I right? I mean, no. massive, right? Millions, you, you, millions of downloads. And you've got some absolute cracker guests over the period of time. And the best thing about it in my mind is cracker guests and then just a whole bunch of other guests who are still A-listers. But, you know, it's just that, like your Crompleys and your Larkos. And, like, there's been a few that... I don't know, they've just stood out big time and it's been awesome. But what have you done? Because you were very, as I observed, uh, I think you were just using a Zoom recorder. You'd go to like Larco's farm and you'd sit and have beers and talk. You would happen to be at the same venue or, or, or location as, say, Crompo and you'd do a thing. Or you'd be you'd go to use a Southern Cross um, a studio facility. What have you been doing and how have you been able to pivot using you know, the COVID lockdown scenario? You, you picked it in one. So in 2018, I think, when you and I first spoke about this, you were yep. a bit surprised that I was going down the, the podcast route. It, it came about because of some uh, couch-style conversations I'd had in the motorsport world for TV things, yep. and I really enjoyed that. So I still do normal broadcasting and lots of other things, commentary, but I, I got a huge kick out of those conversations, Trev, not yep. so much interviews, they were conversations. And I realized there was a thirst for more of that stuff. We, we are in the motor racing world, 
in a space where we love the contest. Our athletes are often masked. You don't you don't see that, and they yeah. all have great stories, backstories yeah, yeah. to tell. And I wanted to let people in on more of that. So technically, uh, I do I try and do the bulk of them face to face where I can. COVID's changed a bit of that, but but where I can, I have a, a Zoom H5 recorder. I just lollipop that, and. Um, I find, like, I go in researched with ideas and things and try and find backstories that people don't know, but I flow with the conversation as well. Uh, sometimes I've gone into studio and done them. So Merrick Watts was uh, in studio. Um, there's been a couple of others like that where we, we – it has a little bit of a motorsport skew because I yeah, love it, but there is, an, there is an automotive um, theme that permeates it. So, you know, uh, collectors and, and identity. Have you found the ones on. that you've been doing the last uh, little, you know, month or so um, – a, is it easy to get guests because it seems like everyone's yes. sitting around? And B, how have you found the interaction? Because it has been very conversational. Has it been harder because of Zoom? We've uh, Our audio guys have come up with a couple of clever innovations because we don't want the the quality of the experience for the listener no. to be just just yep. zoom audio and that's no disrespect to zoom but we we want, we want it better than that yep. but it but it forms the the central uh, pillar of how we go about bolting it together so i can yep. see the guest which is good yep. um, i'd rather be face to face you know but but i can i know you so i can react to you like we are we are now um, but it's amazing mate you know for example um, I have reached out just last night through social media to John Clellan, British touring car champion, yeah. legend, has raced at Bathurst with Peter Brock and Brad Jones Racing and all this sort of stuff. So I sent him a private message. We follow each other. And uh, I said, hey, mate, um, I'd love to get you on. And he came straight back to me and said, mate, I listen. I've, I've heard of a few of podcasts. I'd love to come on. So exactly, mate. So now I'm in the throes of coordinating with him. He said that his, um, his only caveat was on Friday nights, he does a, uh, a Zoom family get together. He said, I'm on the gin, so I'm not, I'm not Friday night's no good. <laughs> Did you get a buzz out of that, that message? I listen. I've listened. Yeah. Yeah, I did. That, yeah. that, uh, I see. This is the thing. I don't think people realise, and I, I, I say this with the fullest of heart. But do you know what? You, you people listening know Greg Rust. You know, you hosted the Formula One. Everyone knows who you are, right? But you're still just one of us. You're still just an average person who thinks, "Holy crap, John Clellan knows who I am." Let alone, you know, um, anyone else that that you speak to. It's still a good buzz that you get. It, it, it is. And my mother, Trev, to this day, you know my mum, she says, keep your feet on the ground. Yeah. She's always said that. And I've been big on, um, I, I like storytelling. I like whether it's commentary, it's yeah. reporting, whatever. To me, the the guest, John Cleland, who we've just spoken about, he's the one I, I want to hear from. I'm just the, the vehicle, yeah. the conduit to get to that, you know. So, um, so yeah, it gave me a huge buzz. It's funny, the reactions. Uh, I'm doing a thing at the moment where um, listeners have been sending me messages about where they're listening. So I love it when yep. someone's in the garage tinkering. Um, I had a, a guy who's uh, a farmer in the sort of corner of South Australia and Victoria, send me one, he was on the tractor, you know, so listening while he's doing work and stuff. So that, I, I love that stuff. And the reaction from people about the, you know, which ones they like for different reasons. So I've spoken yeah. to Tony Quinn, very successful business person. People that are into motorsport often have their own little business or small business, and they got a lot out of that. Yeah. Um, separately, the character of, of Mark Larkham, I mean, Mark Larkham, rather. I mean, he, his career, uh, if you looked at it on his paper... His memory 
in that podcast, in that conversation, blew my mind. Just the yep. simple little things. Going back, like, because I'm from Griffith, right? So, yep. you know, I always followed Larko, and I'm just thinking his memory of silly little stories, let alone intricate details about how he got into it and stuff, was just phenomenal. I think that's the beautiful thing about the familiarity you have with those guys and girls. You're able to bring it out of them. But um, it's been a fascinating, like, month, really, when I look at it. Because here's the thing. I don't watch supercars. Like, I watch, okay. you know, the Newcastle, I watch Bathurst. I don't religiously, it's not in my calendar. If I'm home on a Sunday afternoon and I flick over, I'll watch it if it's on. But I don't know when they're on, right, in the, in the regular mm-hmm. season. Formula One, mate, every session is in my calendar and my family knows Trev's in the man cave. Like that's Do not disturb. Just, yeah, don't even bother. <laughs> don't even think about it, right? So, but here's the thing. Formula One has tried this virtual thing as has supercars. I have every Wednesday night, dinner table, and then afterwards, go to bed, kids, I'll come up later, but I'm watching the supercars. Every single time it's been on, I've watched. Um, and, and the F- Formula One, I watched one race. It's interesting to me that I think the supercars have absolutely nailed the, the virtual fan engagement. They're, they're without um, sort of pumping the tyres of my, my colleagues, mate, their, their broadcast of it is the benchmark. Yes. So, and, and there's a couple of reasons why that is the case. Firstly, the, the calibre of people in their television department, as you know, are very yeah. good, and they, they are the nuts and bolts behind all that. Yeah. Um, they're rivals, if you will, in the, the eSports space. So my buddy Lee Diffie, for example, who does the IndyCar series, does a brilliant job of it. He, his co-commentators, Townsend Bell and Paul Tracy, they're all at their respective homes. homes yeah. They're all doing it. Whereas in this instance, um, they're a little bit lucky, albeit with social distancing, yeah. They're able to operate from a studio. They give it that studio quality look and feel yep. at the top. Um, the interaction they've had with the drivers and some of the special guests has wow. been has been terrific. Um, Mate, the fact then, that Lando, Max Verstappen, correct. was available. Max Verstappen correct. is racing in the race. That's that's number one. Secondly, he's on Zoom talking to Jess Yates. Are you I kidding know. me? I know. I know. I mean, like, and, and, wow. Uh, and the, it's the extension of all that, Trev. Yeah. So, you know, it fulfills a, a hole for the broadcaster in Fox Sports who doesn't have normal racing to go to. Yep. Um, but but what it's done in the social world, the numbers where they've they've been able to... I mean, even uh, Scott McLaughlin and some of the guys that are running yeah. Twitch, they're having a great response in that space as, as well. So... Um, I'm 50 this year. I'm doing a little bit of esports. Don't look a day over 40. My grey hair would tell you otherwise. But even I'm doing a little bit of esports commentary to help Brendan Hartley, uh, the ex Formula One driver, and and a couple of others here in New Zealand, who are on a Friday night doing a series to raise money to support small business. Yep. So all these all these different drivers from different genres get on. Greg Murphy's on it. uh, Scott and Shane Van Gisbergen have been on. Yeah. Um, everyone sort of dives in, and, and it's all about helping small business. I mean, it's yeah, a great yeah. initiative. It's awesome. Now, after esports, then we've got the whole going back to the real world things. There's two things we have to talk about before I let you go. Yep. Firstly, supercars. Secondly, Formula One. Supercars, 23 red racing. Film yep. Monday. That's it, yeah? Yep, correct. correct. Uh, a long-time supporter of the sport. Um, you know, yep. kind of upped his game and, and went to the team level. It's not been a good time in COVID for his business in hospitality, let alone his sponsors. So, unfortunately, the team's gone. Great that James Courtney has that huge backing from Peter Adderton that he's able to come in and kind of just save a few jobs and things in the team. But it must be staggeringly difficult for Will Davidson because he's literally just out of a job, yet it's all kind of going on. It's pretty sad stuff. To... to 
uh, part answer to that. Firstly, um, fans have been so uh, emotional in their support. They've tried to do uh, some some crowdfunding to get Will back on the grid, right. and he's ve- he's very politely said, um, "Thank you." But please stop. And the reason for that is he, he just wants to, he feels at this time in the period of, of COVID that he doesn't want people diving into their own pockets. Yep. He'd rather use his own means to try and get back on the grid, find sponsors and, and the like. And he's pretty determined to do that. So I thought that was a great show of the character of Will yeah. Davison for a starter. And the second part, Phil Monday, I mean, you can go back bit of a, a, a quiet achiever in many ways. I mean, he helped Peter Brock. Um, he's been, he's got a, a, um, a top flight smash repair business and has been involved in the sport in different ways for some time. So it's, it's a loss. And I hope um, in time, you know, when, when um, economic conditions and the like improve that we can get him back involved yeah. in the sport. He's, he's a good fella. But it, we, I mean, I'm sure there's there's a place for Will on the grid at the very least as a as a co-driver. In if they're doing it, I don't even know what's happening with the end of the year. Are they doing the? I mean, obviously Bathurst is a co-driver race, but I don't know if the other enduro style things are happening. I can't even work out, and you'd be closer than me. Is the 12 hour maybe happening on the same weekend as that last race, or is the 12 hour just gone at this point? No, it's it's a lot of stuff is still up in the air in yeah, that right. regard. So the release from the Bathurst Twelve Hour organisers, um, Richard Crail, who I commentate with, is heavily involved in the in the PR and commentary side of that. Um, the intent is to make it a double header if they can. Massive. So wouldn't that uh, be that'd be bigger be than huge. the Winfield Triple Challenge? It'd be huge, huge. So. Um, Obviously, that then ticks a box with the government as well yep. because we're not going to Newcastle, but we have a significant event, a very significant event in New South Wales to book in the or in the championship. Um, uh, obviously, a lot of water needs to pass under the bridge, Trev. We need to know whether we can yeah. get those international guests to come down and what all that will be, so time will tell there, but let's hope that can yeah. happen. Now, just finally, Daniel Ricciardo. Yes. What about that intro? What about that intro you've got? <laughs> how good are you, how good are you going? sitting on that for two years. Um uh, you know, I didn't think he'd re-sign with Renault. I just didn't. I didn't. I mean, it's weird. Uh, you kind of have this thing. You think you know what's going on. You've got no idea. But it just feels like he knew after one year that Renault weren't going where they said they were going to go. Like, you can imagine the presentation Cyril put on to get him to sign. It said, we're going to do this and this and this. And he's probably looked at it going, you know what? It's not going to happen. So I'm on the market. Sebastian leaves Ferrari. Did you ever think Daniel was a chance of going to Ferrari? I did, um, right. but I think I think it's a heart head scenario. So yeah. Hart says the the young man from WA with Italian heritage uh, in a red car. I mean that would be just phenomenal, and I think he has the talent to do it. He would command a pretty, uh, quite rightly, uh, a, a very heavy price tag to go there. So maybe Ferrari has opted on a, a, yep. a cost saving thing. He's at the he's not at the tail end of his career, but but relative to Carlos Sainz Junior, he's further down the track and yeah. desperately wants to, you know, would dearly love to win a championship. So that's clearly been a factor in the, all of those things have been a factor in the, the discussion, I would say. The move to McLaren, I reckon, is timely. Uh, Joe Saywood and a couple of other journalists have come, to, come out today and said maybe it's not perfectly timed because one of the key engineers, I think it was Pat Fry, I'd have to go from memory, don't quote me on that, mm. um, was at McLaren and a big part of their resurgence toward the end of last year when we saw Carlos Sainz yes. Jr. get the podium and things like that, he's left and gone to Renault. Oh. So they're saying, they're saying, is this a good move of Daniel's yeah. if, you know, if this, if this is the play? But, I mean, Dan's been there for 12 months. He knows the workings of the team. Yeah. Um, 
for 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 giggles, I mean, he and Lando oh, together mate. are going to be a dynamite combination as characters. <laughs> Have you got your pubes yet? Still yeah, one of the greatest clips of all time. But my challenge, and I agree, head and heart, because amazing Ferrari, and we know even from your chat with Weber and other chats with Weber that there was that Ferrari potential there, uh, long long history. But would be great to have an Australian a Ferrari. But he was always going to be number two to Charles, and yep. and at at McLaren. He's a guy who's won seven races, 29 podiums or something. Carlos has had one podium in his career. He's a number two at Ferrari. So if you want to be the lead driver to bring bring a car out of a slump, my only concern, Rusty, is that they've got a a Mercedes engine going into a car that's been engineered for a Renault. And I I don't know how that works because you remember the drama with McLaren trying to get the Honda to work. They just couldn't get it to work in the chassis. I don't know, yep. because it was meant to be an engine going into a 2021 brand new, completely crazy new car. This, I don't know. I'm, I'm, that's my biggest concern for Daniel. I, I'm going to be glass half full. The Mercedes power plant is a very good, proven product. They, yes, I, I agree with your um, caveats, if you like, or your concerns, um, but I... I Dan's no deal. He'll have done his homework about why this move is a good one. And even if it's a good move beyond just 2021, yeah. some of the stuff that's in the pipeline. So um, as I say, head and heart would love to have seen him in a Ferrari head says, this will be a very good move to McLaren. Look at the rich history and stuff that McLaren has. It would be nice to think if they could keep clawing their way back as they've done in recent years and get back to being a, a, you know, a team that can fight for the podium. I think yeah. that'd be huge for Dan. Well, I'm glad you're in the uh, the extra state of Australia because it means that very soon you'll be able to jump on a plane because we're in a bubble, mate. The first country that's going to be allowed to come here and vice versa is you, buddy. So uh, yep. New Zealand's going to be allowed in. You'll be back soon, I'm sure. Motorsport will be up and running again soon and they'll have you back around the paddocks, mate. Lovely to see you, lovely to talk to you and thanks for your time. Great to chat, Trev, and uh, let's do it again sometime. Thank you. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM. Now, just quickly... Um, there was a bit of news today about Joe Rogan. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not a massive fan. In fact, I love his Netflix specials, but I'm not a podcast listener to Joe Rogan. His shows are extremely long, and I've just never had the time to listen. But I've come in and out of a lot of them because he has some amazing guests. A bit up there with um, uh, WTF with Mark Maron. Just amazing guests uh, for, for a podcast. But a very interesting announcement from Joe Rogan today. And the reason I raise this is because I want to know what you think. I asked the question on Facebook. So head to facebook.com forward slash EFTM online. Hello to everyone who's just beeping me there. Um, Head to Facebook and let me know what you think of Joe Rogan signing a deal with Spotify. So what he's done is he signed a multi-year deal. And trust me, it'd be multi-million dollars. It'd be like 20, 30 mil. It'd be big bucks. Um to bring his show to Spotify. Now, our show, this show is available on Spotify. You can search EFTM on Spotify, and that can be how you listen. You can also search Apple Podcasts, and that can be how you listen. And you can search Overcasts and Pocket Casts, because a podcast is just an audio file as a part of a group of audio files that can be subscribed to. That is what a podcast is. However, Joe has announced not only is his show going to to Spotify, but as of the end of the year, it'll be exclusive to Spotify. So you will not get Joe Rogan's show on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Anycast, and I believe also YouTube because he does a video version of the show. There will be a video and audio version on Spotify. Now, here's my problem. And I don't, he probably, I've never listened to I don't know. He doesn't really call it a podcast, but he did in his tweet. But I'm saying it's no longer a podcast. If it's not freely available to anyone via an RSS feed, which is the subscription format, it's not a podcast. 
And I don't begrudge the bloke from signing a bazillion-dollar deal with Spotify to uh, make content. <laughs> Giddy up. But it's it's the reason I raise it is because it's it's a potentially fundamental change in how the industry works. Now, I'll give an example. Um, Mark Fennell, who does just so much work uh, on SBS and other places, um, has a great podcast called Download This Show on Apple Podcasts and on every other platform. But he's done some exclusive deals with Audible to create really cool, engaging audio content on Audible. But they're, they're not podcasts. They're Audible content. This is going to be Spotify content. The critical thing here is that if you're going to create a show that you're claiming to be a podcast, then it has to be available everywhere. And I actually don't know that he'll do as well in terms of audience numbers as they are now. Spotify must know they're going to lose... 50% of the audience, and then some, potentially, and it'll take some time to build it back up. Maybe I'm completely wrong, maybe I'm just cynical, and maybe I wish I was getting a million bucks, let alone 20 million, but, you know, I'd be interested in your thoughts. So jump on the Facebook page and let me know what you think of the Joe Rogan experience becoming exclusive to Spotify. <laughs> You're listening to the FTM Podcast. Travel along with you, uh, taking your calls, questions, anything you've got to, got to say about technology or cars or lifestyle, whatever it might be, just go to the website, eftm.com, and get in touch. G'day, Graham. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, I've had two new Samsung smart TVs, 55-inch mm. versions, Q70 and now a Q80, mm. both of which, when you're playing particularly on 9GEM, which I think is channel 92, but mostly it affects the streaming services. Uh, SBS on demand is impossible. Every time it goes to play an ad, you wait, thing comes up saying we can't connect to whatever. When you delete that box, suddenly your remote has no longer got any control of the TV. Oh, really? Now, is this only on the latest one you bought, or has it happened on both of them? It happened on both of them, actually. The first one, that we only kept it for a few days, and it was such a pain in the uh, back end <laughs> that um, Bingley agreed to take it back. Right. Um, so let's just think about this. So, so watching, watching normal free-to-air TV is pretty much okay. Yeah, so you can... You can watch the Today pretty Show. Pretty much, pretty much, What's yes. No issues. Um, but when you go into the streaming services no. using the apps, whether it's does it happen on SBS yep. On Demand only or, or does it happen on what other ones are you using? Using Netflix or Stan or anything? Uh, only Netflix is the only other one, and it's pretty rare that it happens there. Right. SBS On Demand is hopeless. <laughs> and I've Googled you know, that problem and found lots and lots and lots of Samsung smart TV owners complaining of the same thing. Because that's the issue here. I'm worried that it's not actually a Samsung issue, it's actually an SBS issue. Because everything, uh, once you, you know, the SBS app, the Netflix app, they're built by those companies. So, you know, SBS need to, need yeah. to you know, fix it essentially. So, uh, the question is, is it happening? It's very strange though that it would be happening on a brand new TV. If it was a four-year-old TV, I'd say, well, they've probably stopped worrying yeah. about it. <laughs> you know, they've probably stopped supporting it. But it's a yeah, brand new well, bloody TV. Yeah, talking to yeah, talking to the tech guy from Bing Lee, and he mm-hmm. seems to be pretty smart. Mm-hmm. We pretty well agree there's nothing wrong with the TVs. Yes, that's that's what I was going <laughs> to say, yeah. I, and, 
Yeah, you go to Samsung, the Samsung cares very good. You get to speak to real people and stuff, but you don't get any resolution. The same with SBS On Demand. Yeah, you, know, you just so, they just waffle around, and you're no better off. The the only thing, Graham, is what's your internet situation like at home? Well, so what what's your internet coming into the house? What have you got? Yeah, we've had NBN for for ages, yep, like three years or more, um, and we've just got the standard Telstra Wi-Fi router thing. And where White is that in sit- relation in relation to the TV? Uh, the next room. Like about twenty feet away, I suppose. Right, and and you don't have any other issues with other devices using that internet. No, actually, these days we don't use any other devices. Yeah, of course, yeah, it's we, all up there, right? It's all on yeah. the screen. Do what, what? Do you know what speed plan <laughs> yeah, you're on with Telstra? <laughs> do you have, happen to know if you're on the twelve or the twenty-five? Uh, we're on the twenty-five. Okay. I mean, I'm loath to suggest it just because it costs more money, but it wouldn't be a bad thing to check. Whether or not, if you rang yep. Telstra and said, could we just go up one speed for a month? Just for a month. Just, you know, hook it up. Just one, okay, yeah. one, one notch for us. <laughs> um, as to whether or not that, yeah. um, you know, it's a basically a trial and error elimination system that I try and, you know, put in place here. Where we go, right, I'm, I'm pretty mm, confident, mate. Be, yeah. it's, not the, it's not the TV. I'm with Bing Lee on that. It's not the TV. It could yeah. be the app. Yeah, I agree right? But it could also... So before yeah. we go bang on an SBS's door... Let's rule out everything at your yep. end. So there's two things I want you to try. The first one is just politely ask Telstra if you mind going up uh, for one month. You might have to pay an extra 10 bucks or something, right? Um, but put a note in your, in your yep. diary to in one month, make sure you go back to the old plan because you don't want to pay more if, if you don't need it, right? Yeah. But the other thing I wouldn't mind yeah, you sure. doing is, and it, this sounds ridiculous, but it might again, it might only be 10 or 20 bucks. Go to J Carr or Harvey's or Bingley and get a, get a really long Ethernet cable. The internet, you know, the the, the internet cables, and yeah, run a yeah. run a bloody cable yeah. from your modem to your TV, because what that'll do is that'll rule yeah. out Wi-Fi being the issue. Because yeah, because yeah, it, yeah. It, the speed yeah. the speed of your internet is one thing, but the 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 connectivity, the speed, the the quality of your Wi-Fi is another one. So the cable by plugging your TV into the modem, it'll kind of rule mm. out. It, it, it means that it's not your Wi-Fi network, but if that fixes it, then it is your Wi-Fi network, and you can you can get upgrades to that, which I can help you with. But essentially, we kind of need to do those yeah, two that, tests first. Yeah, that very thing with the Ethernet cable. Mm-hmm. Um, if you Google SBS on demand problems, yep. Yeah, you'll find it in there where several people have tried it without success. Right. <laughs> it, it's but it's just it's but just I, simply. I don't mind tra- it's just simply a way of saying, so when, when we're banging on an SBS's door and they try and say to you, oh, is it your internet speed? You can say, no, no, because I, I, I increased my speed, didn't didn't change it. Yeah, they can I say, is it, that, yeah. is it your Wi-Fi network? No, no, it's not because I, I've connected it with Ethernet and it does the same thing. So all we're doing is, yeah. I know we're throwing money at it, but you're spending a little bit of money to absolutely narrow down the problem Um I know, yeah. I know it's weird, but I would argue if if SBS was broken completely, I'd hear a lot more about it. Um, and I know there's a lot in the forums, yeah. but it it would also be weird for it yep. to be just unique to to Samsung TV. So if you could do those two things for me, yeah. I'd be curious to know what the what the outcome yeah. was, and then we can. Oh, mate, I used to work at SBS, so I can I can pick up the phone to some people. Then, all right. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah, the big lean man, he's got a very good point. You know, when I was talking to him, he said, I checked back and I've installed about 15 Samsung smart TVs in the last fortnight. Mm -hmm. And you're the only one with the problem. Right. Okay. And that, look, that's kind of good. Some of them was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... um, Give what it a whirl, mate. Try, or something try, like. the, try the connectivity and the mm. speed check for me, and then let's let's circle back yeah. and see whether we can get onto SBS for you, okay? Okay, I'll organise the speed thing first and uh, see how we go. Good on you, Graham. Uh, let me know how you go, and uh, and we'll help you out as best we can. Thanks, buddy. Yep. <laughs> okay, thanks for your help. Cheers, mate. And that's uh, it's Graham, who's... Uh, that's an interesting problem, because you don't want... Uh, it's a brand-new buddy TV. Shouldn't have any issues. But there are so many ch- chinks in the ca- chain... Uh, or links in the chain that could fail, and that's why the blame game happens in these situations. You know, Telstra's going to blame Samsung, Samsung's going to blame SBS, SBS blame your internet. So you've got to narrow narrow down and, and firm up those links, and uh, hopefully we can get some resolution for Graham. you got a question? Jump on the website, eftm.com. Whew, I'm exhausted, are you? Um... I need to think about how long these shows are going to be, because um, uh, I'm obviously a bit nervous right now that I've only I've been through all my emails now. Um, you know, I've got if I don't have calls every week, I don't have a show. So at this point, I'm not going to claim this to be a weekly show. I may go fortnightly until I've got a, a solid momentum of emails coming through. Nearly all the emailers that I've been talking to are obviously not podcast listeners. They're actually my radio listeners, so Triple M Newcastle, 6PR in Perth. Um, you heard one there was uh, talked about my 3AW in Melbourne. So all these people hear me on the radio and then just go to the website and ask me questions. So I'm going to rely on those, obviously, but I need to be careful that I don't um, run out of them. So I'm going to commit to fortnightly now, but it might very quickly become weekly. I just don't know. Uh, but in the meantime, sincere appreciation for downloading Thank you for listening, and I'd love your feedback. Send me a note anytime you like. If you're on Twitter, at Trevor Long. Instagram, at Trevor Long AU. Um, if you go to trevorlong.com, I think it still takes you to my Facebook page. But yes, you can search Trevor Long on Facebook. EFTM on Facebook. Just follow me everywhere. Um, and uh, get in touch anywhere, anytime, anyway. And uh, it's great to have your company. Thank you for listening uh, to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM.